0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
2: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. A welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, May 14th. On today's episode, we discuss the rise of non-fungible tokens or NFTs, which have rapidly taken the world and many creative industries by storm. The hype is extremely high right now. I've used the analogy a couple of times that, you know, early NFT guys have kind of been presented with the same opportunity as maybe people who found Bitcoin early. Nobody can predict the future, but the opportunity is huge. And the fashion world is no exception.
3: We haven't seen, again, a tenth of what digital fashion and NFTs are able to do going forward in terms of transformation, how they can be programmed, reactivity, layered, ownership. There's so much more stuff that's still to come.
4: I really hope that the fashion industry won't go back to flying all across the world just to watch a fashion show. For me, going back to the way it was is no longer an option, right? We need to look into how we want to create this for the future.
2: This week, BOF's deputy editor, Brian Baskin, speaks to Benoit Pagotto, co-founder of Artifact, which recently raised $8 million in funding from Andreessen Horowitz, Corinna Nobbs, co-CEO of The Dematerialized, Amber Sluton, co-founder and creative director of The Fabricant, as well as BOF's editorial associate, MC Nanda, about what the NFT gold rush could mean for the fashion industry and whether all the hype will deliver on the promise that this could be the next major growth vector for an industry trying to reinvent itself. First... MC explained the most recent development with NFTs in the fashion industry.
5: An NFT is a non-fungible token, and that's a unique digital asset that's authenticated and minted using blockchain technology. So that contains a digital ledger that's sort of a record of all transactions. And what's made this space really exciting, and, you know, almost every industry has kind of rushed to the market, um, in part because it's Sort of within that ledger shows verifiable evidence of price, but also ownership of a good that can't be tampered with or altered that, that exists forever within this, uh, within this sort of uh, ledger. So this has been really exciting for, for a number of brands. Um, I think the one that sort of gained everyone's attention and sort of started the, the article was the collaboration between Artifact and an 18-year-old digital artist known as Felocious. And. Um, and that actually saw, I think it was over 621 uh, pairs of sneakers were sold uh, from 3000 to $10,000 and $3.1 million total worth of virtual sneakers were sold in under seven minutes, um, which obviously got the fashion world uh, looking to, to the market. Um, so this has been a really interesting sort of mix and, and everyone on this panel um, I've spoken with over the past few months has, has really shown what sort of NFTs can bring to the market and how what that might look like, uh, starting with sort of the, the, the Fabricant's uh, first NFT in 2019, but also moving forward towards Artifact and Ferocious's uh, collaboration that really got people going. Um, and one thing that was actually interesting about that collaboration as well is there was, uh, and as Ben Walk can definitely tell you, is um, there was a pair of physical sneakers that were sent to goods. But if you talk to those people that purchased uh, those virtual sneakers, that was more of an accessory and the, the real value is in these virtual sneakers and is in these virtual assets. So I'm excited to get more into to how these work and, and, and what that sort of means for the fashion
6: industry at large. Thank you, MC. And And what's really interesting about this panel is our three other panelists all work together on this project. And maybe by way of introduction, Starting with Benoit, you can explain how this came about, how it worked, how amazing it was, um, and also talk a bit about who you are and uh, and, and what your company uh, do.
7: Cool, huh? so me I'm one of the three co-founders of Artifact. We do metaverse, uh, you know, streetwear and cool cool, cool fashion <laughs> items for the metaverse, and as well uh, physicals. We have a physical element to it because it's still important to have that tangible element for some people and also it's a really nice to have anyway for collectors Uh, and the collaboration with Fabricant and Karina and Dematerialized, it happened because I got in touch with Fabricant. I've been following personally their work since a long time but they were one of the very early pioneers of like fully digital fashion. Uh, What's cool with them as well is that they really have that fashion aesthetic and fashion sense and they do lots of things in the fashion world. And I've been following their work for a while. I don't remember how I connected with Carrie, but I said, okay, let's do, let's do something, you know, like, uh, we have the gaming side and like the cool factor, you have like the super fashion, uh, side. So if we combine together, could be great. And we started to work on it. And then we, we were thinking of where to drop it. Uh, and, you know, as you know, I think we were the first one to do it. Uh, but at Artifact, we consider platforms like retail stores. So, like you can do something on super rare for one of ones here on nifty, there you can do digital acts or whatever. But I really wanted to work with Karina because I, we were in touch. I was following what they were building with Dematerialize, found it really interesting that also they are backed by Luxo, which is very interesting chain. And then after we thought, okay, it's perfect because uh, us and Fabricant together were like the two most famous brands in digital fashion. And they were launching um, a dedicated uh, virtual fashion marketplace. Uh, so we thought it would be cool to go there and, and also, you know, work with them and their tech. And uh, yeah, and the launch was great. Uh, from the Artifact perspective, it gave us opportunity to engage with the Luxo community, which is very, very interesting community. We made content a bit bespoke for them, even in the WebGL experience we did, like Easter eggs. And the reception has been great. I don't remember how long we sold out. We sold out in 10 minutes or something like that. Uh, and the reactions were great. User experience was great, uh, which is something I think Karina is going to talk on our side after. But if you want to bring in people on non crypto native, you know, the, your user experience on the web is quite important. And I think dematerialized and the Karina's team with Marjorie are doing an amazing job at this. So the drop was great. And the relationship with Fabricant was funny as well because. While we do we both do 3D, we're very different. <laughs> but that's what was cool is that we, we don't work the same, we don't do the same, but in the end we did something that neither one of us would have done solo. Uh, so and I think that the, the designs from the design perspective, the storytelling of the collection, and also combining that with super good user experience and utilities that Karina is doing with dematerialized, they set a really good benchmark on how to do that, you know, properly, and also mixing aesthetic-wise because. Fashion brands now they all want to talk to us since we made three million, you know. Uh, But before they were like, "It's too gamer, it's too many lights," you know. They were not big fans of us before we made three million. Uh, So now suddenly they're all fans. (laughs) But (laughs) but that's what it was good to have that side with fabricant to to really merge our aesthetics with the more traditional expected fashion aesthetic from digital fashion. And I'm very proud of the result, and it was funny to work on, and we finished everything last minute as usual. Uh, And it was funny. Yeah, it was a good story.
6: Amber, you're a virtual fashion veteran as much as there can be one in this field. And talk about how what you've been working on lately with NFTs is different from maybe what Nike was doing on Fortnite a couple years ago or your idealist Carly Kloss, you know, items on your website. Kind of explain how this has evolved and, and what this means for virtual fashion.
4: Yeah, I mean, virtual fashion, obviously, has gained traction over the years, like, I think when we started this, it it was really difficult to convince even brands that there was value in digital assets, like a lot of times we had to like, yeah, you can do a digital only item, you know, it's gonna be really cool, because people will be able to wear it in their digital identities. And a lot of brands just didn't get it, because they were like, yeah, but what about the physicality? What about the physical item? Uh, How can we leave physicality behind? And I think ever since like sort of the pandemic hit, people have started to understand it more and more and more. And they're starting to really be able to understand what digital identity means and how important it is to have a representation of yourself within the digital space. Because right now we're all like looking at each other on a video call. But, you know, like anywhere where you're represented is a, a showing of your identity, of who you are. And at some point in these digital spaces, you'd want to dress that identity. And I think like for us as a fashion house, we've always been fascinated by what that digital identity might look like. And this can be all kinds of different, you know, iterations. But we felt like fashion and identity was really missing in the digital space. Like uh, there was, of course, in games, you could have really cool skins. And we thought that was really cool. However, like the, we thought of the, the connection to, to with the fashion industry towards games like was still very, yeah, was not really established. And we thought it would be an interesting way of seeing how we could combine digital identities with you know this is this, this sort of new industry and um you know ever since then we've been doing several projects on this um and like i said in 2019 we released the, the nfc of the the iridescent dress, which was massive landmark within the digital fashion space because everybody was like how do you pay $9,500 for a digital only dress like this is ridiculous like you know everybody's like stop the press like uh, you know the world <laughs> is going to you know end because people are paying money for something that isn't you know, tangible. While well, we're all doing that, you know, we're we're all already doing that, and kids and younger generation have been doing that for ages on Fortnite. So, like, I feel like right now, finally, we're starting to see that within this new NFT um, space, people are trying, are starting to see the value of digital items and which is a good thing because we're always standing for less physical and more digital so that we have less like uh, pollution of the planet. So that's also one of the reasons why we started the fabricant in the first place is we want to have like endless self-expression without it having to impact the planet um, the way that fashion does now. And with the digital items, you're able to sort of create that new endless way of expressing yourself. And we do that via different projects. So. One of them has actually been where we uh, collaborate with the community. that was really about enabling women in tech. So a lot of times in the 3D industry, there's not a lot of women yet, unfortunately. And um, this campaign was really about empowering women in tech and the 3D industry. And um, we gave the file away for free. So Adidas even like uh, gave away their patterns, which is not something that fashion brands usually do. So it was a big leap for them. And we were able to distribute this uh, jacket which was downloaded more than 1200 times. And we had like around 300 submissions of everybody just submitting in uh, their interpretation of this jacket and how they see it with this theme. And then the winners of those places were actually put onto NFC platforms and sold as NFCs themselves. So it was like a massive campaign, your own brand, but really open it up to people to give their own interpretations. And I feel like this whole new digital fashion space is more about collaboration uh, rather than really trying to be, you know, like um, doing the first in this or the first in that. I feel like it's more about collaboration. And that's why I absolutely love the fact that we could collaborate together on this drop that we did for the Renaissance drop, which we dropped on Demeterialize and it was just really incredible to to work together. And like Benoit said, we have a very different ways of working. But in the end, I think we got to a beautiful result where we really balanced out the fashion and streetwear elements. And we were able to create something that people could still really understand. Yet it, it expanded their horizon a little bit of them, you know, of understanding what it means. Now, Corinna,
6: you, you kind of come in on the commerce side. I mean, you're providing a platform where, where these can be bought and sold. Tell me, what the state of play is there I know it's evolving very rapidly and I'm sure even in the two weeks since our last story ran that's like <laughs> 10 years in NFT world tell us where how this market is developing and, and maybe a bit about where you see
4: it headed
3: yeah definitely I mean like you said it's it's uh evolutionizing at kind of uh, warp speeds which is uh, ex- the reason that myself and Marjorie go into this space I think Marjorie and I also kind of wanted to create a, a marketplace because we wanted to create a new experience for how people consume and also um, exhibitionize, if you if you like kind of fashion. So we've worked a lot, as Benoit said, um, to have like a, a WebGL environment, to use things like augmented reality uh, pre-purchase is to kind of build that into part of the, the user journey. We also really want to kind of like, lower the barriers to entry both for creators who want to uh, sell nfts and trade nfts but also for consumers who want to get into this space so we're one of only a few marketplaces who accept crypto payment as well as regular kind of fiat currency because we think that uh, well, just now, I think at last count, there's, uh, I can't remember the, the, the figure off the top of my head, but not everybody has a crypto wallet. And that it is still perceived by some consumers as a barrier to entry. So I think there's a lot of education to be done. And um, I know you want to ask some questions about the the kind of, kind of consumer element. And I guess the other part of, of us as a market space is figuring out what are the different post purchase utilities. So one of the criticisms apart from what you're spending money on stuff that isn't real is so what can I actually do with it afterwards and I think yeah dematerialize we're looking at multiple different kind of forms of pathways around showcasing the NFT uh, which we're seeing a lot of new platforms again weekly kind of uh, coming out like Mark Cuban's kind of like lazy.com platform for example and then the other kind of three uh, pathways that we see are, are very kind of prominent at the moment are the wearability So um, what was amazing about working with uh, Benoit and releasing one of the the sneakers is that we were able to have a Snapchat lens um, as one of the kind of post-purchase and kind of pre-purchase kind of like discovery elements. And then the the other two around portability into games and metaverses and then retradability as well. So it's really kind of hand-holding the fashion customers in particular about, look, these are all the different things that you can kind of do the gaming consumers and the crypto community, they're like sold already. We don't have to say here, here's the value in virtual in virtual goods.
6: Yeah, I mean, that, that that gets into my next question, which is about how do you broaden this out beyond the people who sort of already intuitively understand this and maybe we're trading cryptocurrency before this and, and get how it works. Uh, maybe people who don't even care how it works and they just think it looks cool. Like, how do you attract those people? And, and one thing Benoit, you you were talking about how with the artifact sale, you know, the people who, the buyers will all be getting a physical shoe at some point. And Ramoa this morning announced an NFT sale where, again, there's going to be a, I think, one of a kind, one, you know, a, a table and a suitcase that people will actually get a physical object tied to it. Do you think that's going to be a common element in these fashion NFTs? Or is that sort of a, like the training wheels run at keys, and those go away once this becomes a bigger market.
7: Yeah, I think the second one, and like the, the really, really big thing is to sell fully uh, virtual, fully digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and But for that is that you need environments to flex them and wear them, you know? So issue is like fashion people, they don't play games, so they don't know where to go, especially not blockchain based games, which is where most of the wearables are happening these days. And I think as the, the physical is just that we did it because we, I mean we wanted to also have our real sneakers as well because we love sneakers uh and and we and we really treated i think i said it several times it's really like in video games you always have like the normal you know edition you buy on steam or playstation network as a digital you know game you can buy the blu-ray like so few people still do it today and you have like the collector edition with the statue the figurine for real real fans right so as we consider it like that and why we do it with shoes that shoes are, it's not to, so it's hard to make shoes, but, you know, we focused on just one item for physical Then really do it well with proper shoemakers and, and really run like a, you know, almost one-to-one, you know, sneaker of workshop. Um, but I think fashion brands is the easiest thing they can think of first uh, because that's what they are used to create anyway, right? They never created digital stuff for some who, any digital things they do, a lot of them, they create them with their agencies for content. So they don't have any in-house capabilities for uh, content making. So now they're staffing up on 3D designers to start to 3D model on on the on, with Clue 3D, Marvelous, or uh, whatever like Reno. If they do industry industrial stuff, but uh, they don't have the talent in-house, right? So the real talent they have, which is amazing talent, is the the craftsmanship of the physical side. So they are going to, I guess, partner with people making their content, uh, and then they'll. they'll Piece that up with like a piece of collection, a real physical collector item, you know, and they'll do that. But uh, as usual, you know, for them, most of what they do right now is not to be uh, saying Always the, the the same speech of the the guy who's blase, but it's just marketing. That's all they do.
6: And for the fashion consumer who who hasn't played games that you were talking about before, I mean, how how do you? explain the value proposition here if they're not- I mean, playing-
7: they can, it depends on what fashion consumer. If it's one who plays The Sims, for example, right? Which is a game that's quite, you know, massively adopted and with white age group and, and as well, good gender split. They understand if you tell them, hey, you can wear it in The Sims, you know, just like Gucci did, they partnered smartly with a very good group of uh, Sims models to make some adaptation. So you need to pick your main games that is already within their everyday experience or stuff they enjoy. You're not going to tell them, hey, you can use this in this blockchain game. Like, okay, cool. Like, what is blockchain? What is this game? What do I do? <laughs> Who are these crypto guys that I don't have any point of interest with? You know, because it's all about you create communities, right? So which which is going to be the brand or which platform is going to create that space for them to hang out and showcase their clothes and trade and communicate and, and organize themselves as a fashion community? For now, there's not uh, one that's done and uh, so that's why it's a very good market opportunity for people who want to do it you know a lot of people right now are like, trying to build different metaverse platforms so i mean karina like she knows this type of stuff very well as well so who's gonna build that because so far it's, it's not it's not there uh and it's not there because yeah like fashion communities have it's never been that much into <laughs> that no, it's <laughs> not easy and <laughs> and also uh, fashion people you know they love to go to parties like da 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 and i you the know, private event and all about this like they were not geeking out like us playing games all night and having social experience online they were having social experience in their fancy fashion stuff uh, including organizing dinners uh, during covid you know <laughs> yeah. so, so it's it's just how you slowly uh, how do they come to that world or that world just comes and swallows them you know so it's not going to be an easy transition
6: yeah i'd love to throw the same question to amber and karina i mean you know, Amber, you know, of the of the various designs and brands that you've worked with, have there been any that did appeal, you know, outside the gamer community that that maybe had that potential to kind of to kind of break out to the sort of mainstream fashion world?
4: Yeah, I think like our initial connection has never been like hardcore gamer community. I think we've always like sort of focused on on the fashion industry. And I think everything we sort of done is is dry and, and pull them, um, you know, more towards, like, how we see things, um, uh, iridescence being one of them in which we dress actually a picture of someone uh, to give people, uh, like, an, an example of, of what is the utility. And obviously, right now, that is still the utility. But, you know, if you think further along, like, back then, when iridescence dropped, like, there was no, you know, just, the, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a huge campaign done by Carling's on like um, you know wearing digital garments for consumers, this was really a landmark as well within digital fashion in which it pulled it towards the consumer perspective. And people were like, "Oh, we can wear this on our Instagram." Oh, okay, I get it. And and then suddenly it was like a way of expressing yourselves on an ins- on a platform that was already familiar to fashion consumers. So I feel like that is one utility as well. And now suddenly we also have, of course, have Snapchat filters. Uh, Instagram filters uh, came up back then. So many new sort of utilities of being able to wear it. And I think it's only a matter of time until, you know, there will be like a digital layer on top of the physical reality in which we will be able to switch our identities within every single minute, right? And just like flick through different looks that we can wear wear as an AR layer, but it's just the technology is not there yet. Um, But I feel like it's more going to be of a hybrid connection between like digital spaces where we'll be able to wear these things because digital events like are only going to become bigger like I feel like digital uh, spaces where people are going to I really hope that the fashion industry won't go back to flying all across the world just to watch a fashion show like if you think about it that is really ridiculous and I feel like for me like that that is no longer of this time so we should like figure out a way that we can still experience the same sort of emotional experiences but then you know within these new virtual spaces, and there obviously you want a good representation of yourself. So then you want to look into how you're going to dress your avatar, and then you want to sort of you know view yourself and maybe buy items for your digital avatar. So I feel like the worlds have to merge. I really hope they will, because like for me, going back to the way it was um, is no longer an option, right? We need to look into how we want to create this for the future. And I feel like a lot of times. Fashion people also can be a bit more open to this new world, right? Because it's, of course, it's very scary because it's new. But I also feel like there's so much potential and creativity that's not been explored yet. And there's like a massive sort of new things that you can do. And like one example, it was, for instance, uh, the Buffalo shoe that we've, we've done, like which was a collaboration with Buffalo Shoes in which we designed this flaming shoe that everybody could wear on the Instagram that was one example, but there's there's more brands that uh, that work, that we've worked with. But Buffalo was one of the pioneers to actually jump into this space and do some consumer facing campaign with it. But there's there's more example more examples as well. Yeah.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
1: With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Yeah.
6: Now, MC, Amber kind of made the sustainability case for NFTs. I've seen, you know, news articles that kind of on both sides, you know, some saying NFTs, there, there's a lot of energy use and emissions involved, others making the case you know virtual fashion is going to be much
3: can I, can I be a pain in the neck can I just add just quickly before because I know you I know you want to talk about the sustainability element. Oh, sure, of course. But I just had a couple of utilities that I kind of wanted to add in if that's cool um right. or like things that I think will like nudge this kind of from niche to mainstream okay. one is to have recognizable uh every everyday brands I guess I think that when they invest in this space, there that's a trigger for the mainstream consumer to have like, oh, maybe I should, this is something that I should kind of like get into or kind of know about. And then I think another part, which is um, we know that kind of overproduction is like a really bad issue within the fashion supply chain. And I think using digital fashion as a means to like an entryway into kind of like zero infantry models and kind of made to order, we're, we're already seeing it in different sections of the marketplace. And when we interview consumers as well, they kind of say, I, I would like to have a digital interaction um, on a way to a physical purchase, whether that's, uh, and so I think that's something. And then one last kind of use case is around. Um, NFTs as uh, like the new loyalty card and the kind of this notion of fandom that we see massively. And uh, again, Men was more of an an expert of this, uh, an expert in this than me. But even on a very, very simple digital collectible level, there are so many brands that uh, could generate revenue and relationship builds by releasing things that are part of their brand's iconography. So yeah, apologies for jumping in, but I was- No, I'm,
6: I'm glad you did. I, I find that last case particularly compelling, especially with the rise of the second hand, with the resale market in fashion, it seems like NFTs are kind of a, they, they potentially have a pretty big role to play there. And I'm, I'm curious, like, are there any sort of, you know, big brands we all would have heard of that are, Kind of jumping in feet first into in, into this
7: shout
4: out to gucci right i've
7: been the most innovative in gaming by far
4: yeah, uh on
7: all the, the brands they've done the all the right things and they are like the, the smartest on 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 the gaming because all of this anyway it's what i see it's not just nfts it's gaming culture that's taking over it's yes. taking over so think- and gucci they understood that very very uh, early. And they've done the Sims, they've done Pokemon, they've done the actual sneakers. So it's not an NFT, it's just on the database, it's not on blockchain, but it's the same kind of idea, but technically it's not. Uh, and they've been the, the most uh, fast forward uh, thinking on in all of that across all the big major uh,
6: luxury brands. MC, I think you were about to jump in there.
5: Yeah, I think Gucci has really done a great job in experimenting with mm-hmm. gaming um, and taking those sorts of... So those sorts of experiments, particularly and even stylistically, how they've, how they've approached the market and how they've approached gaming, particularly with Gen Z and Generation Alpha, who gaming is a really big part of their lives. When We were looking at the sort of consumer group that, that may become important and putting pressure maybe on, on fashion brands to move within the virtual landscape. We're looking at a younger consumer group that doesn't really need to be uh, handheld through why this is important or why they might have a virtual identity and why they might have a crypto wallet. I think... Piper Sandler's most recent teen survey showed that 10% of teens uh, already have cryptocurrency, um, which is a huge market. And, yeah, at even, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and even looking at places like Roblox, like I think Roblox, uh, like 70% of their daily users are under 17. Like this is a market that already knows what the value of digital goods are. So it's more so on fashion brands to sort of capitalize on that market as it continues to grow. And I think Gucci's done a great job in, in sort of pioneering that and, and being able to to take risks within the market.
3: And also like, Obviously, we're, we're, we're doing this because there is an incentive to make money, but there's also that other incentive about expanding our current kind of notions of creativity. I know that's something, Amber, that you're kind of really passionate about, but we haven't seen, again, like a tenth of what digital fashion and NFTs are able to do going forward in terms of transformation, how they can be programmed, reactivity, layered ownership. Like there's, there's so much more stuff that's still to come
4: yeah it's incredible like the creative opportunities you you have within this digital space are insane and and like we always say like literally you can create anything and the thing is like that's also quite scary sometimes because you don't really you really have to set the parameters of like what conceptually is interesting and and i don't think it should be like you know like we're just going to do this and like you said to make money it's really about like what is your intention behind it what is your intention as a brand does it fit you like like how are you doing it fairly? Because I feel like also like the blockchain community or like the gamer community sees right through all of the sort of like um, layers you're putting over yourself of like, um, you know, if you're just coming in to make money, like that's people are going to feel it. And I think that's a beautiful thing because we need that in this world. And I think um, like just the creativity should be the outtake of, of any sort of thing you're doing in this world. And, and I hope fashion brands will take more of the, the opportunity to jump into the space because like, I, I can't wait to see what that, you know, entails. And and obviously, they've been schooled in a certain way. And, like, even, even for me, being trained as a traditional fashion designer, to come into the 3D world, it's, it's, you know, it's already, like, sort of a whole new space. And I I was super fascinated by it because I, I came when I was a kid, and I understand virtual worlds. But, like, I, I can also understand that a lot of designers working within these traditional fashion brands have a hard time understanding what what, you know, what this whole computer you know, um, can do and, and, and what is, what is it that they can do with it? So, so I get that, you know, it's difficult, but I feel like a lot of young people now graduating from, from school already have that notion. And, uh, you know, especially we're seeing more and more digital fashion designers graduating as well. And I think it's just like up to the brands, like, do we, do we want to do something with this? And then it needs to come from bottom up rather than from top down, which I think is fantastic anyway. I think that's
6: a great point And, and, and and also what MC was saying about how this is almost a bet on the future as much as trying to build a market today, because I think, you know, those, those younger generations are a lot more fluent in this, and it just feels more natural. I guess I am curious, is there, though, as you said, if this becomes a top-down thing, there's a big gold rush, is there a risk of sort of a beanie baby effect, or I'm old enough to remember, like, Second Life, everyone kind of talked like this about Second Life, and then it kind of... Everyone said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sick of hearing about Second Life, I'm not that into it, and it sort of went, went away and it didn't quite live up to that potential. And, and I'm curious, is there a risk of that happening here with anything that gets this hot this fast of kind of a burnout and people writing it off and saying, well, it didn't change the world immediately, it's never going to, I'm never gonna look at this again.
3: I mean, Mm. I I think we're in that space right now because, Mm. I mean, if all the headlines, even even your headline, and to a certain extent (laughs) about the limits and the and the gold rush, they're genuine concerns that that people have. But I think for us in the space, and the more you the more you dig into it, like this is this is in the long haul, and this is fundamentally going to change digital ownership creative structures the creative economy how we view uh, money even like this is this is bigger than 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 the internet
4: <laughs> yeah it's changing its power structures i think and that's like a, a very interesting concept and i think instead of going from a you know sort of like single-minded point of view or like an egocentric point of view we're going to a more world-centric point of view in which you know the digital currencies can be traded all over the world and they're you know, I feel like for, for me, it's like a massive shift in 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 like um, like power structures and like bringing more power to the consumer and the creator uh, rather than to the to the big brands. And I think this is gonna be a massive shift for the coming period. And I don't think it's gonna go gonna go away. But like Benoit, maybe you have some ideas on this too.
7: No, but on Disney, I'm 100 convinced. It's like a big uh, paradigm shift, yeah. And that, uh, as you mentioned, I think. It was always this, you know, it was always, especially for fashion brands, how do you keep in touch with gents? How do you understand these people? How do you mix the fact that you have people in your company that's been there for 10 years and a very powerful position who come all from the same cultural background? So recently they're like, oh, maybe we need to hire, you know, diversity. So they understand they need more cultural diversity as well. But uh, how do you have people like that thinking of what someone who's 12 years old is excited about today? It's very hard, and they're very disconnected. So, of course, sometimes they have kids, and they understand through their kids what's happening. But, I mean, the kid of a powerful fashion executive is not the same than a normal kid. You know, so it's, you don't have all the real thing. And I think it's gonna—it's already changing everything forever, as you said. Me, what I'm most excited about is—and as you said, Amber, super good. Actually, a lot of people in fashion schools—they are doing 3D design, they're learning clothes, they're learning marvelous, and they're gonna start more and more to do 3D, digital collection is going to be over to to, to do like a proper like you know student shows and stuff Um, and I think this is again clearly coming from the bottom up and us were the proof of it uh, we're three guys in a team we killed everyone Uh, so (laughs) no one no one knew us Uh, so and that's what's most exciting so me I'm, I'm excited to see what plan and strategy big fashion brands are going to do who's going to be genuine who's going to think long term Who's going to make mistakes? Because they're going to make mistakes, uh, and uh, and but mostly I'm excited about what the kids are going to do and what the fashion graduates are going to do. How you know collaboration is going to change as well in fashion because from the moment you have files and you can send them and send them back, you know it's way more collaborative process than being with your thing. And uh, you see what I mean? It's, it's it's different than just the genius doing his, his concept art and then all the the little hands doing the rest. So that's what I'm very excited about, and I, I don't. Um, it's funny because I'm not in a rush for fashion uh, for mainstream people to adopt it and stuff. Because what's amazing in the space right now is quite small, mm. uh, and so you get personal one-to-one connections almost with each of your collectors. Even the other day, you know, we did the when was it last week? We did the Jeff Staples drop. You know, we did a very famous Nike uh, Pigeon Dunk. And uh so first, we beat this Pigeon Dunk three times the price that the one he sold at Sotheby's. We sold it 90K, sold it 30K before the real one. So Metaverse is stronger than the real world. <laughs> but what was cool is that the collector who voted after we were speaking with him and Jeff on Discord together with all the group on Discord. They're going to meet up and have a Jeff said he's going to invite him to Nobu uh, to have a dinner in Tokyo. So like, whatever, you know, I'm going to put uh So... He and Jeffy was telling us, "Oh, it's crazy because I never speak, you know, to my people who buy my shoes."
3: Yeah, it's the uh, ultimate DTC. Yeah, yeah.
7: And and that's what I was saying. The thing and that's what's dope in the space is that you know when someone when someone very rich goes in the VIP corner at LV and he buys a bag, you know, when he comes out of the shop, no one sends him anything. Here, when a collector managed to win a bid, everyone on Twitter is like,
1: "Congrats!"
7: You know, celebrating mm-hmm. him. Like so, they also become part of that epic moment. Like. Storytelling is involving the collectors, the people who support who couldn't get the brand us. Like it's really, really amazing. Mini stories are happening every day, and we make history, really every week lately. And uh, and we're not waiting on anyone to continue. And that's the thing. Like me, when we started, we thought, "Oh, let's see, we we could do with this brand it would be cool to do that with that brand." And in fact, no, like we don't need them to do cool stuff and innovate. Like uh, so, I let them figure out their stuff. And in the meantime, in in the small community that's growing daily, like we, we make the shit happen.
4: Yeah, I love this. I love the whole coll- collaboration aspect as well. I feel like that's such a beautiful element of all of this. It's like collaboration, collaboration, mm. collaboration. I can't say it more. You know, you yeah. know, most enough because the thing is like if you see like the way the fashion industry has been operating, everything is a secret, like nobody's sharing anything with each other because they're afraid it's going to be get stolen. And like, it's just all like, Oh, you kind of see my collection. And then at this, after six months is ta-da, look at this, we made this. And we also think like, you know, it, it's all about like sharing your process as a fashion uh, house. Like for us, we're doing like a weekly Twitch streams in which we're showing what we're doing and like really opening up the atelier for people to understand. And, like you said, Manoa, I feel like it's so nice to be supportive of each other rather than fight over each other's backs, you know, for a space. And I and I think that is really sort of the future of what it is like support each other in that in that in, in this space and and really try to grow together, um, rather than trying to climb up the top by yourself. But I
6: did want to get back to that question about sustainability that I posed to MC before we went on this fascinating and I mean that ta- tangent. Um so MC, as I was starting to say, um, I've seen arguments on both sides about how green NFTs are. Basically, can you talk about that and sort of how that how that's been developing as NFTs have taken off recently?
5: Yeah, obviously, there are huge environmental concerns when it comes to NFT production. The most recent boom, I mean, uh, Bitcoin in itself isn't the most necessarily environmentally friendly. Um, uh, digital currency. I think a uh, recent statistic was, you know, all Bitcoin transactions equal the the sort of energy consumption of Argentina in a year. Um, we've seen similar statistics highlighting just how unsustain- unsustainable this is. And obviously different brands have, have different ways of, of approaching this, similar to normal fashion brands, you know, trying to make efforts within sustainability. And it kind of depends on on whether these amount to to greenwashing or or larger uh, actual concrete steps within the industry. And I think that also goes into depending on on how everyone else feels about uh, proof of work versus proof of stake. And that's something that's come up recently within these discussions of moving to a uh, less uh, environmentally damaging damaging way of of mining uh, currency and creating NFTs. And I'll let uh, Benoit and Amber and Going to sound off as well because i know they all have different uh, perspectives on that and every uh, digital sort of fashion brand or person within the nft market has a unique approach maybe to, to how they plan on solving that or their own sort of way of, of offsetting those those emissions
7: i me on this i get the point of view like so yes it uses energy I, it does because it's using big gpus to mine and to do all of that etc so it's part of that technological revolution. It goes through that type of uh, you know, requirements from a technological point of view that are using energy, but <clears throat> very smart people are working on sustainable chain options. So immutable X, flow, everyone is working on that, trying to fix that palm that's coming out through so the Damiener stuff. It's all based on as well, like either like pay back the gas emission you you do or, or like a, a more sustainable chain. So that's going to be, not totally fixed, but it's going to be made more and more and more efficient. Uh, just like when you had cars that came up, how long did it came up to finally have electric cars? But it's just you can't fight because I, I was having not debates because I was reading a lot of comments on that on Twitter. And someone, you know, there's one main post that everyone goes back to, which is oh, why NFTs are you know, bad for the planet. It's very, very detailed, very well argumented, medium post. And you read it and you're like, "Wow, that guy is right. But you would also be the guy who had said no to cars. I don't want cars and planes. You see what I mean? <laughs> you can't stop, you know, when you have a big revolution happening, there's always a moment where, you know, yes, it's using energy and, and then it's gonna be made more efficient uh, as we go. But that's that actually, it's not really the issue because if you compare what we do or what people are gonna do with NFTs and how wasteful the fashion industry is in general, it's like a grain of salt compared to to the the sea of salt that they have. Uh, so, so to me, it's not even a debate or a question. Uh, the, the technology is gonna get improved and be more efficient. And of course we look at that because as well, you know, most of the people driving these movements are like internet kids uh, as well. A lot of the Gen Z are very, very concerned by environment issues. Uh, so it's gonna be them, we're gonna build that anyway. So you can be sure that they will take that into consideration because it's part of their values for most of them. Uh, So, and and it's not like, because you know, it's the same, like the sustainability questions for fashion since how long do they talk about it? It's been what, five years, it's a subject. Mm -hmm. What were they doing before? They were wasting and and, and never doing anything. Now it became, again, a marketing opportunity. So it's a subject. Uh, And also my point of view is that the whole thing around uh, NFTs and sustainable, it's a smear campaign. So I mean, it's not conspiracy theories, but a lot of people who say that these people are not in and because they have the fomo of not being in so they oh it's bad oh, the environment did you think about it oh, it's really not good nfts oh why but it's just because they're not in and they use that as a way to excuse themselves from the fact that they don't understand what's going on so that that's my my theory
4: yeah i think uh, adding on to that because i agree with all the things you said Minoua, i think adding on to it is like um yeah, like like you said, the fashion industry has been uh, polluting like for a very long time. We know this already for a long, long time. And what have they done in really changing? Like, I think there's some efforts that have changed, but the thing is, like, still toxic dyes are being used to dye garments. Uh, still, you know, plastic is being used to create polyester. You know, it can be be recycled, but still, it's not going to go away. And and this like this is this is all adding on to the to the thing. Like, I feel, you know, like with NFTs, like. The thing is, at least what you can control, you can control, which is the energy consumption. You know, at some point, if you say, OK, we get green energy. And also, I feel like, you know, should we not have cars then? Should we go back to horses? Like, I feel like like that is sort of also the the idea behind it. Like, I feel like, you know, right now, the smartest people in the world are working on solving this issue, honestly. And like within the three months that, that this issue has been raised of environmental issues, like already so many steps have been taken on, on changing things. And like, to me, it's also like the question what has the fashion industry done in like the last, you know, five to 10 years. And it, they have done a lot, but like, it's still not enough because still every month there's new collections being produced every month. There's like sort of new stuff coming out, new products, etc. So I feel like that's sort of my point of view. is like, you know, you know, first stop producing all of the clothes that you're producing um, and really create something that means something and not just. Just to create stuff, and then and then we can you know sort of talk. And obviously, we're all sort of working on solving this issue. Um, I, but I think many people are working on it.
7: No, and also just sorry to jump back because I thought this morning I was in Champs Elysees in Paris, and there's big Adidas flagship store, and they had a big display, horrible display. Honestly, weird waves with like uh, no plastic, like they're, they're really bad looking display. And I was thinking it's funny because they do. They do this thing, and I know now Adidas, some of them they committed by 2030 they will be you know 100%, 100% fully sustainable, etc. But right now they have this collection with maybe five pairs of shoes that are sustainable, and they still have a thousand other shoes that are not sustainable at all, exactly <laughs> being sold. And, and also, it's just as well with us, you know, like we let let the fashion people like not care about sustainability for uh, decades. Us, as soon as we start with nFT oh by the way like did you fix your sustainability aspect already like, come on like began uh, started to became to initial sustainability because more people came in and the chain started to be oversaturated, and of course there's more activity, so it's you know becoming more efficient uh, consuming more energy, but it's just that it's uh, it's a subject that's uh yeah, like they, they better look back at the fashion subject, sustainability, and dig it really, really well. And 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 rather than try to bring that subject on NFTs, we're just trying to innovate and then make a, the future every day.
6: Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think NFTs, though, have a similar perception problem in that, you know, you hear virtual fashion, you think, oh, it's just, you know, pixels. Like there's no there's no cost involved for the environment. And people then, when they learn about things like, you know, the energy involved in mining cryptocurrency, or, you know, how it's related to the, the global, you know, uh, microchip shortage, you know, that leads to the, you know, rightly or wrongly leads to some disappointments and disillusionment. I mean, who, who in I guess, in, in, in this business is kind of driving the sustainability side and, and you know, attempting to create, engineer these innovations that are going to make nfts
7: more sustainable. everyone all the everyone, yeah, like yeah, eggs, like luxo as well uh flow uh yeah. palm uh, like uh, uh all the DAO, like yeah everyone is, is it's a subject for everyone yeah
6: but the everyone. good thing
7: is that because it's such a highly collaborative environment and ecosystem if one comes up with a solution then he's offering it to all the others. so actually adoption of, of more sustainable solution are going to be are going to be 10 billion times faster than what you have in the physical world once it's once the solution is
3: here. I I was just going to say one last thing. I think there's definitely around education, like you said, and I think for any brands or any individual designers that we've seen this issue, particularly in the crypto art space, when certain artists said, I have to make a moral decision. I'm either not going to do NFTs because they're, they're not um, uh, environmentally stable, or do I miss out on this opportunity to make money? I really, really hope that that doesn't happen within the fashion sector, because it doesn't have to be for the reasons like Benoit said, there are lots of op- options uh, um, for kind of, different chains and different opportunities. And yeah, just dig a bit deeper if you do see a kind of clickbait headline, which is uh, on that topic.
6: <laughs> right. I think we will end it there. I'd like to thank our panelists. This has been a fascinating discussion. Um, and I'd like to thank the BOF staff for setting it up and, and having everything run so smoothly. And we will see you all next time. The
2: BOF podcast is edited and produced by Venisha Van Horn-Alkama, Kate Varshan, and Kevin Bobby Blanco in the BOF studio team.